Nothing gets by Smithy. Shame you're stuck with me. I'm back. Daniel McCarty alongside Mr. Louis Herman. What Huckleberry Finn's here too as we take you through till midday. Our number is 0800 We always encourage you to use it. We will open the lines about 9.30. As far as what's coming up on this fine show with Brad, your local John Deere equipment supplier, in short, lots. Shortly, our chief NRL commentator, rugby league commentator, Mr. Sam Hewitt, drops by to talk about a little bombshell. You have a reasonably big game this weekend, although it doesn't really relate to that game. All will be revealed in just a moment or two. Also on the show, Tim Payne of the Wellington Phoenix. Tim Payne may have covered every blade of grass at Sky Stadium last weekend, and I give you one of his best individual performances for the Wellington Phoenix and a very uh, important win early in the season against uh, Perth Glory. They've got a double header against the Brisbane Roar tomorrow, the Wellington Phoenix, both men's and women's in action, and both coming off victories. We'll catch up with Tim Payne from the Wellington Phoenix after 10 o'clock. So too, we will hear from Alex Chapman on the bulletin. Uh, we'll whip across a variety of topics with him. Well, we will be utterly thrilled and delighted to welcome in the one, the only Mr. Jeremy Coney after 11 o'clock as we talk about the Cricket World Cup, which has just got a little bit tense from a New Zealand perspective over the last uh, couple of days, right? I think uh, Louis was close to hitting the panic button yesterday, understandably so. Um, uh, Jeremy Coney, the former New Zealand captain, to join the show after 11 o'clock. All those regular features along the way, including the Player of Sports Desk, our uh, Friday multi, um, and much, much more from you, we do hope, on 0800 150 or on the Temper in Bed Post text machine. All right, nearly five minutes after nine o'clock. Let's go. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Daniel on the Dars once more, and on the eve of the biggest international league game of the year, news from the NRL has hijacked the news cycle. Ah, the old never really about the league NRL. Uh, in a case of what goes around comes around, and Nua Blake has apparently asked for an early release from the Warriors, even though he has one, two, three years left on his deal. Of course, the Warriors benefited from a similar scenario back in 2020 when he left Manly and a week later secured a longer-term deal with the New Zealand club. Manua Blake became one of the biggest acquisitions in the Warriors' history when he signed a three-year deal. Don't take my word for it, those were the exact words of the Warriors when they announced the signing. Tellingly, a few months later, Manua Blake explained his reasons for the shift to the Sydney Morning Herald in December 2020, and I quote, I heard I only wanted to leave for more money. All of it is untrue. I wanted a fresh start for myself and my family. I thought it was the right move for myself and my family, and whatever I think is right by them, I'll do. I need to learn to stand on my own two feet. Now, the Warriors clearly benefited from having such a player. And after one season at the Warriors in January 2022, the Warriors championed the news that the prop will be them be with them for a further five seasons after extending his existing three-year contract to the end of the 2026 NRL season. Having a player of Adam's calibre for a further five years is absolutely huge for us, Cameron George said at the time. So the Warriors committed to him twice. Not once, but twice. But today, those two feet of Fanua Blakes are itchy and he wants to leave. That must be hard to take for all of you passionate Warriors fans. Now, I accept circumstances change and he might have a genuine reason for asking for such a move and I'm certainly not privy to that. But all I can see right now is a giant hole the Warriors will be forced to fill. He was that good this season. Sensational form one of the most important players on their roster. You can't argue that. And what do the Warriors get if they let him walk? Cap space? Yay! Exciting. Cap space. To spend on who exactly? 
Is anyone free to join who has the talent? I don't see any obvious free agents. Oh, that's right, because we are already in the 2025 free agent signing period. Go figure. Or alternatively, the Warriors can conjure some form of a swap deal to fill the gap. Again, it doesn't fill me with great excitement because we're simply guessing on who that could be right now. Plus, if I was the club looking to bring in this player, I would be a little more than concerned about a pattern of behaviour. I would be sceptical about handing him a massive long-term deal because will it, in fact, be a long-term deal? Because let's be frank, I don't, don't run an NRL club. And NRL clubs don't worry about the morality play that I clearly do. Their insatiable appetite for acquiring talent kicks loyalty to touch. But what I hope, what I hope, and I genuinely hope this, is the Warriors can find an adequate solution to this tricky scenario because it would be such a shame if this resulted in the club losing the momentum for all their hard work in 2023. Eight minutes after nine o'clock, this is Mornings with Ian Smith. Let's discuss this in more detail with a man who has his finger on the pulse with regards to the NRL. Here's our Chief Rugby League caller here at ESENZ. It is the one, the only, Mr. Sam Hewitt. I can't see him, but I assume he's wearing a cap. Hello, Sam. I'm very, I'm wearing a cap, Daniel. Yeah, and actually my Warriors hoodie, uh, which wasn't sp- sort of out of protest or anything, just uh, simply the first thing I grabbed off the top of the shelf. Um, but yes, very uh, an interesting, what, 16 or so hours? Um, I'd say catastrophic is probably the word. I think I just did a three-minute piece where basically I said, <sighs> a huge sigh. It, it, it's deflating, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, it, it's, I say catastrophic because it really is. I, I rack my brain as to um, how this could be you know, anything other than complete disaster for the Warriors and there's just no there's no other um word or answer for it because you mentioned there he big part of the success this season playing having a career best year. He was one of the best props in the NRL for a number of years oh, but, but became probably the best in twenty twenty three, certainly alongside Payne Haas. And, you know, whether or not, like I personally would put that down to Andrew Webster and and what he managed to get out of all of his players this year. Um and Adam, I think, even alluded to that. Um, I think it was just before the awards evening where he he said, you know, Andrew Webster completely turned my game around and, and you know, he became a guy who could play 70 minutes, who was great on attack and defence. Defensively, he was always a little bit shabby, but he but he turned a corner in 2023. So, yeah, it's it's um, it's just so disappointing. And, you know, the, the big question, obviously, is, is where, where do the Warriors go? Do they... Um, try and find a replacement, or do they just deny the request? Because I know that's what a lot of people want is just just don't give it to them. But you know, you know this as well as I do, Daniel. How often in sport does that work out for the team where a guy who doesn't want to be there, you know, still plays as good as he did when he did want to be there? Um, just can't see that happening next year. Mm. Right. So you don't think there's any sort of sense to that? So we can we we can put a line through that idea. Well. <laughs> Oh, it, it, it's difficult because from a club's point of view, like the club don't want to let him go. They, without a shadow of a doubt, they do not want to let him go. And I think that's why the statement they released yesterday said, oh, you know, we're, we're exploring this this early release clause. That's all we'll say. Whereas in the past, they've basically just said, they've asked for an early release, we're giving it to them. So it shows that they don't want to let him go. But 
they're probably going to have to have the conversation with them of, you know, can we get another year out of you, you know, with the proviso you can leave after that? Or, you know, what? how can we make this work? Can we fly you to Sydney? If it is about being closer to family, can we fly you to Sydney, you know, once a week extra? Or can you stay an extra day after away trip so that you can be with your family? How can we make this work? Because... I, I, the worst case scenario would be he, he vehemently wants to leave, doesn't want to stay. They don't want him to leave, so they make him stay. That I think is the worst outcome for twenty twenty four. But this is a three year deal he's still got to run. This happens too often in the NRL. Wouldn't you agree? Well, I it happens too often to the Warriors, and you know people. If you're listening in Australia, you probably roll your eyes or oh, the Warriors fans. But it, the reality is that's true. How often do you hear a Melbourne Storm player saying, oh, "I've got to move home to Sydney to be close to my family," or a Queenslander saying, oh, "I've got to move home to," or a Queenslander that's playing in Sydney saying, oh, "I've got to move back to Brisbane to be close to my family." It just doesn't happen. It only happens to the Warriors, despite the fact that some of those places are almost the same distance away. So. It's a very Warriors problem, and I said this yesterday, I wonder if, you know, the precedent's definitely been set for, you know, you come to the Warriors, and if you want to get out, you just have to say you want to be close to your family, because that's the excuse that's been used the last three or four times we've seen this happen. And it's maybe a bit of a catch-22. It may be, for guys, when when you're based in Sydney, and you want it, and you're thinking about coming to the Warriors, you think to yourself, do I want to come over to New Zealand for three years? I may hate it, may not be what I want to do, and I'll be locked in for a three-year contract. Then they dangle the carrot of, you know, or, or they know that if they want to move back closer to family, that's the excuse they use and they get out of their contract. So it can be an enticer to the club, but it also then can completely backfire, as we've seen with these players that are leaving. So it's sort of a, a catch-22, but the precedent is set now. You know that if you come to the Warriors, as long as you say you want to be home closer to family, away you go, which is ironic because Adam Fanor Blake left Manly to be closer to his family. That's why he left the club, supposedly, and why he came over to New Zealand. So... I just wonder, you know, he's been up in England with Tonga. Um, I just wonder if there's something going on with this. Because the timing of it's probably the worst part, Daniel. Like, you know, players, I think, discover this throughout the course of a season, don't they? Like, it's midway through the season. The club might be struggling. You might not be playing your best rugby league and you start thinking about your family. You want to move closer to home. doesn't happen at the end of a career best year where you raved about how amazing it was and how good Andrew Webster and the coaching staff was. You win prop of the year at the Dally M's. Your team makes a preliminary final. And then after the November 1 deadline, you come out and say you want an early release conveniently off the back of a trip up to England. So I just wonder if, you know, the teammates from, from Tonga up there were just getting in his ear saying, mate, oh, the beaches, you know, forget the floods in March in, in Auckland, come over to the, to the beaches in Sydney and uh, we'll show you a good time. I don't know. But, yeah, the timing of it's pretty, pretty bad as well. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know the, the workings of the NRL like you do, um, explain this. And I tried to make that point. It's not as if there's any shiny free agents available now because the – in what has got to be the most unique sort of contracting system in all of world sport, mm. the, the free agent period is open, but for twenty twenty five. Yeah, it's right? yeah, and it's, it's, that, that makes that makes perfect sense. So <laughs> now you're going to have to try and conjure some sort of swap deal. Mm. Would, would you be like me, a little bit sort of mm, skeptical about wanting to bring him in, considering? There's a pattern of behaviour here. Yeah, hundred percent. And then this isn't like the uh, you know like our you know you guys are all very familiar with the North American sports. It's not like yeah that you just tell a player you're getting traded and away you go. You know the, the player has to want to leave and has to want out of his contract at whatever club you're approaching. You can't just say oh we're trading you you pack your bags you're on the next plane. The other thing as well is 
you know, Adam Fenor Blake is irreplaceable. There's only one player in the NRL I would trade for Adam Fenor Blake like for like, and that's Payne Haas. And Payne Haas, unless he's missing his Kiwi cousins, um, isn't going to want to come over here. You know, Joey Tarpany's from Canberra. Adam's not going to go to Canberra if supposedly family's the the issue in, in Sydney. He's not want to go to not want to go to Canberra. And then outside of that, you're just picking at guys who, yeah, look, they might be decent props, but they're not Adam Fenua Blake, and so you're not getting a like for like value for a guy that's basically on a million bucks. So the trade thing for me. It just isn't going to work unless unless you can coax a James Fisher Harris or a Moses Leota. Once again, I don't see how that that works unless either of them are, are really missing home and want to come back to New Zealand. Um, and then Penrith obviously have to stump the bill for Adam Fenor Blake unless he wants a a fifty percent pay cut. So that whole sort of just telling a player you're going to trade him because you really want Adam Fenor Blake, I don't think is going to going to work. And then in terms of the November one thing, yep, stu- the NRL needs to sort that out because it's a stupid thing where you've got guys playing for the for their club the, the next year knowing they're going to another club the year after and it just it's very messy and you get all these accusations oh he doesn't care anymore if if he starts playing poorly he doesn't care anymore because he's going the next year so they need to they need to scrap that system but unfortunately you know you talk about draft classes in in the NBA and and the NFL the draft class from November 1 this year was very poor so there's really not right. anyone you want to sign in 2025 the only name i can see on that list is probably Jacob Saifidi from the Newcastle Knights. Once again, he's no Adam Fenua Blake. So that is not a like-for-like replacement. Um, and so then, you know, the, the conversation probably turns to Adam Fenua Blake's worth a million bucks. That's a million bucks in cat space. Do you just go out and buy three or four guys, you know, to, to shore up, I guess, at the, across the roster as opposed to just going for a prop? The, I think the biggest problem for the Warriors is last uh, last season, 2023 season, uh, Cappy McFadden throughout the season constantly said we're probably one prop away. He was always talking about wanting one big prop. They went and signed Roger, and that was sort of a little bit out of the blue. He admitted that he said this was wasn't something we expected, but we but we took it. Um, but they were always looking for an extra prop, um, and so now you're in a position where you basically need two. And props two. probably the hardest position to to fill. So I, I when I first heard this last night, I was thinking to myself, well, maybe they'll be able to conjure a way to get a serviceable uh, first grader who's on a one-year deal, and then they'll have heaps of cap space the following year. Even that's not going to work because the, the pickings are pretty slim. Yeah. Jacob Saifidi, and I think the other one, I mean, look, there are only names that I'm sort of desperately pulling out, but I know um, Stefano Tucumano at the West Tigers was another one, Max King at the Bulldogs, who's who's a young guy, but... It, it's just not it, these are guys that you would back yourself to just sign without the Eden Fanua Blake carrot you know you'd, you'd be backing to just sign them as free agents on their own let alone approaching a club and asking for a swap so um, it, the, the the scales are, are very imbalanced um, unless like I said you can somehow wrangle Payne Haas out of Brisbane right not well, going to happen is it no it's not going to happen it's not going to happen uh, they're on to a bit of a good thing at Brisbane, aren't they? So mm. I, I can't see why they, uh, anyone would really want to leave there unless, hey, they've got limited can, game time. Can I just and say... That, and that's not playing Haas's world. No, and can I just say, but um, I do have to give credit to Adam Fennell Blake, Daniel, for just waiting until the Rugby World Cup was finished before announcing this. I thought that was very um, courteous of the man to give rugby its time in the sun before getting rugby league back in the headlines. Thank you, Adam. Well, <laughs> well he's completely overshadowed the biggest international game of the year. And you know what? Rugby league again is not. We're not talking about the game. Mm. No, generally, uh, well, I mean, it's always in the news from no matter what month of the year it is. But generally, from uh, November through until March the next year, it is all the off-field stuff that you start trudging up and, and finding out. So, no, no, into the ba- season two, mate. 
into the season. Yeah. It's like halfway. We're talking about rep selection. <laughs> players moving on, you know, 18 months down the line. It's maddening to this transient fan of the sport. No, and you're right in, t- in, in the fact that, yeah, t- tomorrow definitely is the, the biggest game in the, well, so, yeah, certainly in the New Zealand rugby league uh, calendar internationally um, against the Kangaroos in a sort of a finals type game and, and a chance probably to win that game in Hamilton. I know we're heavy underdogs, but I certainly give us a red hot shout. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a bombshell. And I'm sure as Warriors teammates as well, will be will be gutted and disappointed because that group became very tight in 2023 and knew that they were building for something special. This this is another key problem. Like the, I, I've said this, I've said this sort of throughout this season that that Cameron George, when they established this roster and they bought in Andrew Webster, the idea was to do what Penrith did over the course of five years, where you mix bringing in a development system and, and younger teams, your SG Balls, your Harold Matthews alongside experienced players who will help those guys develop. And that was why Sean Johnson was there, right? He was there to bring through the young halves so that in a year or two when he retired, these guys were ready to go. It just so happened that we turned into a, a you know a premiership contender in year one. So yeah. now they have this window, and it really is a one-year window next year where Sean's on his last year, Torhu's on his last year, Roger's coming in for it for 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 his contract. And and you know, we're gonna lose guys along the way. You know, guys' contracts will end and they'll move on. So there was this one year window in twenty twenty four to make it happen. And we probably maybe needed one more sort of a little signing before the season began to to really get the wheels going. And now you've got this and and honestly, it's almost to the point where without Adam Fanua Blake, you, you, I couldn't see the Warriors getting anywhere near that top four in 2024. So just disastrous. Okay, so if you can't find a player and he wants to leave and you allow him, like, can I ask a transfer fee? Like, seriously. Like, <laughs> why, why should I allow him to leave without getting something mm. you know, of real value? If it's not a player of real value that I'm comfortable with, why can't... Why, you know, why should they have to? It's a, it's a great point that you make because I think it was Scotty Sattler who talked about, or maybe it was Greg Alexander who talked about this as being a really prob- a real problem in the NRL where clubs can spend years, in, and I'm sure it's a problem in world sport, ones that don't have this sort of transfer fee system, because you can spend years and years developing a youngster, and as soon as he becomes good, and maybe he's not at the best club, as soon as he becomes good, a big club throws a checkbook at him and you lose him, and you get absolutely nothing for it. You get nothing for them signing that player on. So maybe the NRL do need to think about some sort of transfer system because I tell you what, New Zealand Rugby League and the Warriors would get a lot from all the players that leave these shores yeah. from a young age. All right. Uh, okay, before we wrap this up, yeah, you know, how, how much hope do you have that the Kiwis get a result? Dare I actually talk about a game? Well, I um I, I thought last week the score was was um wasn't yeah wasn't reflective of of how um you know the Kiwis were in that game. They made some bad um, execution sort of mistakes and and um, there were a few defensive lapses, but I don't think they were like miles off um, the Kangaroos. So given that it's you know sort of back over here because we don't generally do well in Australia anyway. So given that it's back here in Hamilton um, and they've got that big game under their belt, so I, I give them a shot. Like they're, they're heavy underdogs at Tabby, and I I think that's the value for money there. I'm not saying they're a certainty, but. Um, yeah, pound for pound when you look through that side, they can match up those Aussies. It's particularly in their four pack. It's probably just the, the hooker um, that, that we're missing, given that we don't have Jeremy Marshall King or Brandon Smith. But I thought um, Kieran Foran actually played fantastically well um, last week. You almost wonder if he had gone into that hooking role a little bit earlier in his career, what he, what might have happened. So uh, yeah. I give them a shout. I give them a shout. Um, but it'll be tight. It'll be almost like that World Cup final, I think, Daniel. Like there'll be, you know, uh, sort of four points in it with, with 15 minutes to go and there'll be some big play, whether it's positive or negative, yeah. that'll decide it. Yeah, just looking at the counting stats, uh, they're really even. 
um, except for the scoreline, which yep. is 18 points yep. difference. Lastly, Sam, and I'm going to ask them this on 0800-150-811. How do you think Warriors fans take this news? Oh, well, I think about the fans as well. Like, I know we were just talking about it from probably the team and the club point of view, but you have to really actually feel for the fans because that they – they got behind this team and all of these players this year. I would argue Adam's yep. not, not going to experience that sort of fan base almost anywhere he goes over in Sydney. I mean, that is a that is a cauldron over there. You have one bad game and you're basically lynched in the streets. So, you know, I think that the, the fans have every right to be upset with constantly seeing this happen with the players that they fall in love with and the players that they pay to go and see and that the players, you know, they buy the jerseys and the little kids want to emulate them in the backyard. It, it's, yeah, they have every right to be upset with this and that's sort of the reality. Re- Action I've seen on social media is people just yeah really gutted and um, yeah it, it, the 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 hardest thing for them I think to to stomach is the fact that there's no foreseeable um, alternative you know it's not like there's just the screaming name that we can go after there's the obvious yeah. choice and it's a like for like and away we go it's it's almost the unknown and I've seen already got a couple of texts here just asking you know why don't we go to the Super League why don't we go to England there are options. None of them come close to Eden Fanua Blake. None of them come close to a million dollar player. So, yep, you can scheme about getting this guy or that guy. Why don't we get a package deal? We get three of those guys or him and him. It's like it just nothing will come close to replicating what Eden Fanua Blake brings. And that's probably the hardest yeah, thing I to t- stomach. Yeah, I, I, I tend to have a rule when it comes to trades. Um, the team who gets the best player wins the trade. <laughs> uh, you know, but warm bodies are one thing, but I like red hot talent. Uh, yeah. Sam, great to chat, mate. Awesome insights. I learn a lot so much listening to you, mate. Go prepare for your show. Appreciate oh, it. And uh, yeah, Maple Leafs Bruins today, twelve thirty. Daniel, go bees. Yeah, go wah. Uh, Maple Leafs. Way to bring me down even more, mate. Way to bring me down even more. The Maple Leafs. They'll win the year the year after I'm dead, won't they? All right, oh eight hundred one five eight eleven. Time now for you, Warriors fans, especially. Really want to talk to you about this. How are you feeling? Uh, do you see a path forward that ultimately um, leads to as much talent on the park? Let me know. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. You can text us on the Temper and Bedpost text machine double eight double three. Really keen to speak to you about this news. If you want to talk about the Kiwis and Kangaroos which is what I was going to invite talk uh, on today uh, before this news uh, broke. If you do want to talk about a game, feel free. It's 25 after 9. We'll take a break. News can't be too far away, and we'll get to you on 0800. Mine is Smithy, but I'm here. Daniel McCarty through to 12 o'clock. Louis Herman Watt as well. Happy to take your calls. Our number is 0800-150-811. Open line talk if there's something you want to discuss. Uh, as far as the sporting world, we're throwing out uh, the Infanua Blake uh, scenario with the Warriors and the want-away front rower. Where does that leave the club? How does it leave you feeling, Warriors fans, season members especially, after the wild ride you had in 2023? Is this uh, a, a bit of a punch to the ribs? Let us know. 0800-150-811. And if you want to talk about the uh, the league international between the Kiwis and the Kangaroos, uh, please do. That in Hamilton, we've got full coverage right here on SENZ now, don't we? Um, we'll get to your text and call shortly, but right now, here is the latest in the news and sport. We're all someone's daughter. We're all someone's son. Hello, each other. Down the barrel of a gun. Right, you are the voice. 
use it. Who's going to lead us off? Who's going to be first? 0800-150-811. Give us a call. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. My name is Daniel McCarty, Louis Herman Watts. Finn is with us through to 12 o'clock. Great show lined up for you, but we want to hear from you. Uh, open line talk. And if my mood wasn't uh, sulky and sullen enough, uh, Louis Herman Watt, I've just uh, flicked on the TV, and now I get a replay of Australia batting against New Zealand from the other day. That's awesome, isn't it? It's just so unnecessary. It's just so unnecessary. <laughs> like it's so unnecessary because here's the thing: last night India beat Sri Lanka by 700 runs. So how about you play that? <laughs> I just watched that, and that, that is one thing that is cheering me up today. We could be Sri Lanka. We could be Sri Lanka. Who were 29 <laughs> for eight? 29 for eight, chasing 358, and lost by about 300 runs. Um, just another remarkably lopsided game at this uh, Cricket World Cup. There's been way too many of them. And, and, and I'll be frank. If we don't beat Sri Lanka, we dip out on this, but we don't deserve to be there. We do not deserve to be there. Um, I, I know there were a few calls on the cricket yesterday. I'm happy to discuss that. I'm happy to talk uh, International Rugby League. Uh, what do the Kiwis have to do to turn things around? An 18-point deficit. Surely at home it's going to be a little bit tighter naturally. You would think, right? You would naturally think. But on the park, league fans, uh, what needs to change? Do let us know. 0800-150-811. But there is certainly big news floating around with regards to um, Adam Fanua Blake, who really was just a, a one-man wrecking ball. Absolutely loved watching him for the Warriors in 2023. So important. Uh, and, and I remember having a chat to Kempe, um, you know, back into the season going, um, could I make a case for him for actually Warriors Player of the Year? Like, without what he did up front, can Johnson shine as much? Um, I know they go hand-in-hand hand and as a team sport and, you know, plucking out individual winners in team sports is actually, you know, riddled with stupidity in <laughs> um, of itself. But as far as the hole he leaves, how do you fill it? And I'd like to know, how do Warriors fans feel? He's got three years on the deal, uh, left on the deal. Um, are you a little bit bitter, a little bit angry? Or um, do you understand the business, that you're mature enough to it, that, hey, this is how we got him in the first place? And it is a case of maybe what goes around comes around. 0800-150-811. couple of texts. Vaughan writes on the Temper and Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost like no other. Uh, we still have the best recruit at the club, and that's Webster. Thank you, Vaughan. Do appreciate that. Yeah, well, it, it, he's clearly massively talented and has done a wonderful job. Um, coaches certainly do help luring talent over, don't they? Um, and he's got a far greater understanding of maybe the um, rising talent in this comp. Um, you, you're not going to get a, a like-for-like swap, it would seem to me. You may want to disagree. Paul in Christchurch writes, what about someone from Super League? Question mark. Canberra have some, have unearthed some gems that way? Yeah, yeah. Um, but who? who? Who are they? What are the names, league fans? Um, and who's off contract? Although... Does that really matter these days? Uh, why can't they go to England and poach some poms, writes Mark? Yeah, you can poach some poms, but I'll, 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 I'll remind you all, um, are they of that ilk, that talent? Um, can you make up his loss by numbers, extra bodies? Um, another one, Atta Mariota from the Raiders would be a great get. Yep. Uh, he's what, got one year left on his deal. I don't know the construction of the Raiders' uh, roster um, enough to figure out um, why would they let him go because Fenua Blake's family's not in Canberra, right, Louis? Um, and if we're to believe it is for family reasons, it, it would seem 
going to Canberra um, is probably not an option. Well, how about this? Maybe we're looking at it from the wrong way. Chance Nickel Klockstad, Dallin Watenez Lesniak just signed on. Rocco Berry, up and comer. Bolstered centre stocks with Roger Tuivasa-Shek. What do we do with Adam Pomp? Um, Tamari Martin, Sean Johnson, Metcalf, young up and comer. Wade Egan playing the best football of his career. Mitch Barnett didn't get as much uh, on-field time as we could probably expect for the season coming. Jackson Ford, who clearly Webster rates. Nuakore, as you say. Tohu Harris in his last year of his contract. Um, a bench that'll be bolstered. Youngsters like Tane Tuapiki. How about the fact that the Warriors are a really good roster with the best young coach in the NRL, and this isn't the end of the world? And maybe people are calling because this is being made out to be something that it's not, and this is actually an opportunity to sign three props. And if we were short a prop, how about we sign three props because Adam Fanua Blake was arguably overpaid? How about that? Arguably overpaid? He's not overpaid. Well, what are, how, what many other props, how many other props are being paid that much? How many other props played as well as him? Look, the market dictates that props aren't worth that much. And maybe and maybe this is a situation. If the, he's the outlier here, yeah, he had an unreal year. He had a career year. But we're getting crickets here. And maybe it's because people aren't panicking. Okay. Maybe maybe it's the maybe it's the twenty diehard Warrior fans on Twitter and Sam Hewitt that are the ones that are stressed here. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, Patty writes, "Hey Daniel, is this the easiest week of sports broadcasting you've ever had?" Question mark. Rugby World Cup loss into Black Caps getting pumped. The Warriors losing arguably their best player. Uh, we have unreal. Well, Patty, I would have agreed with that ten minutes ago. I'm a little bit surprised uh, we're getting crickets on this. I, the, from what I saw on the field. That man, he was immense for the Warriors. Um, we've had a few texts about it. Uh, people can't. Or maybe people want to discuss other things. Uh, let us know. Uh, this is your show. This is your segment. And we encourage you to join the show. Uh, it has been a heck of a week from a sports broadcasting perspective. Um, there's so much going on, right? There's almost too much going on at one stage. Uh, we made mention of that uh, a few weeks ago. It's like... We space out these competitions a little bit more, but, um, you know, it's been a wild week. A um, couple more. Uh, Ken writes, Adam looked very good in Red V, in the Red V. That's where he started, and they are chasing him already, writes Ken. Ken looking at uh, where he might uh, land. Uh, was it right? Uh, hey, it's always fair to put family first, but maybe they should only be able to sign with a bottom full side if that's what they choose to do. At least the Warriors are now a trip an attractive side to join for players' um, rights, Wazza. Do appreciate that, Wazza. Um, they've got to be more attractive, right? They've got to be more attractive. Uh, it would be absolutely madness if they're not more attractive than, say, 12 months ago. Paul, g'day, mate. Welcome in. Thanks for leading us off, mate. Do appreciate it. I bow down to you. All good, mate. You know, when it comes to worries, mate, I'll always uh, a king for a for yes. a set, mate. <laughs> Good boy. Yeah, I must admit, I was in a state of shock yesterday, and uh, as I guess most Warriors fans were, uh, I just think we need to sort of calm the farm as far as um, the legitimacy of his reason for leaving. Um, but he does have a track record, you know, what happened with Manly, you know, he was he left the on compassionate grounds, but let's just wait and see. But um, yeah, that's yeah there are some good props. 
Yeah, there are some good people out there, uh, players out there on the market. So I, I honestly feel sorry for Webby because, you know, it's his first year, had such a good year, and then he's got this bombshell to deal with. You know, welcome to the NRL, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, he must be uh, he must be scrambling, shuffling papers and getting on the blower and so forth. There have been a few scenarios thrown around. I heard this morning, and one was getting the Bromwich Brothers back here for a year or, or even going to Hargreaves. Um, um, so it's a hard one because we just don't know what the Warriors are working on as far as, you know, do they do they hold firm or, or do they let them go straight away? In these situations, often the player's gone pretty much, you know, when they come out to say this, they're gone. So, um, yeah, it's a sad day. But, uh, you know, if you look at a player like Hamlin Newelli from the Sharks, uh, he's a young prop. He, he's he's you know he's up and coming. I know uh, Thompson from the Knights has been talked about. Um, you know, and there's you know, or, or do we just throw the checkbook at the likes of Abigail Solomon or, or even ask Fisher Harris, do you want to come home and we'll do a swap? So there are other options out there, but we just don't know what what we're dealing with at the moment. Uh, Bunty and Tom Ali, they won't cut it, mate. To be honest, um, they won't cut it next year as our starting prop. So it is a kind of a dire situation. That we're in, mate. But conventional wisdom would suggest, Paul, what you have like have said that if a player wants away, they tend to get what they want, and he's gone. Hey, it happened. With, it was one yeah. week after he left Manly that he signed on with the Warriors, as I said at the top of the show. But the yeah. the way the team's constructed, and that sort of win now sort of position, you could argue they're in. Would you dig your toes in and say, just give me one more year? I'm, I'm, I'll consider it in twelve months, but absolutely not now. Uh, I wouldn't dig if he was adamant on going. I wouldn't dig my toes in. But what I would right. do is throw every I'd throw every scenario at him. I'd say, how about if we bring your mum and dad over here for three years? We'll put them up. We'll get them a house. We'll look after their, their medical expenses. You know, I, I'd look at every way possible that, to help him stay, make it comfortable. If that is the reason, you know, about his parents. Um, but at the end of the day, Dan, if he, you know, Daniel, if he wants to go, mate. Um, he's probably already yeah, made okay. up his mind. The thing that gets the thing that gets me, mate, is he's in the UK playing for Tonga. Um, yeah, I just don't know where his head's at, to be honest. Um, this whole contract situation needs to be sorted out by the NRL. This is just happening, and unfortunately for the Warriors, it's just part of you know we we're not in Australia, you know we're in New Zealand. So the sooner we can get some some good players coming through our own systems, and I know they're working on it, you know, the sooner that happens, the better, mate. Because we want our homegrown guys, yeah. you know, playing for the Warriors. Yeah. And, and last one for you, Paul. You said you feel for Webby. I feel for people like you, Paul. Like, like you said, you're in shock when you heard the news. But you're yeah. also like, oh, this is this is what it's like to be a Warriors fan. Was that sort of how you were thinking? <laughs> well, you know, it was such a good year, you know, and uh, we were we were the ups and downs, but you know. First person I spoke to today, you know, out on the street was, oh, what about those Warriors? What's happening with Fanua Blake? You know, it's just, it's, yeah. it, it is a big blow, mate. It is a big blow, but it's still our club. It's still our team, and we'll be there. But, you know, we were looking forward to next year because we thought, well, okay, we've got a, an awesome prop, and we just need one more, and then we're sweet. Now we don't have any starting props that, that are going to bend the line and, and, and cause damage. So... Uh, but all is not lost. Uh, Cameron George, that, that club, mate, they're, they're, they're shrewd, mate. They'll be working on something. Don't worry about that, mate. 
Good on you, Paul. Really appreciate you joining us. Go enjoy your day. 0800-150-811. Open line talk. Uh, anything you want to discuss, feel free to set the agenda with us here. You can also text us on double eight double three. Uh Time for a short break, though. It's quarter to ten. It is ten minutes away from ten o'clock. Our number is 0800-150-811. And Louis Herman Waters alongside me, Daniel McCarty. And if we ever do a rewatchables type thing on uh, Sport, Louis, on the station, I don't think... I would want to re-watch Matt Henry's over, the third over against Australia. I've just seen the 14 off one ball again. Right. Yeah, uh, real kind of PTSD Daryl Tuffy areas. <laughs> Excellent. So have you got some more info, do you? Uh, well, yeah, I'm just stealing info, but I'll credit it to the mole at Channel 9. Um, Tony obviously does a really good job. And, and here's one to make you feel a little bit better, Warriors fans. Um, it is believed his parents, who live in Sydney, Ed and Phil Blake's parents, are in poor health, and, and that was the reason. But a uh, the mole is reporting one official from a Sydney club, and I'm reading this verbatim from Channel 9, interested in signing... Fanua Blake told Wide World of Sports, it's no guarantee they will release him. They want an equivalent trade. There's not many options available. We know that. They are Zooming with Zooming video communication. They are Zooming with Fanua Blake. It's a bit of a throwback to lockdown, isn't it? They are Zooming with Fanua Blake from England tonight, Thursday, and the general feeling is he will stay in New Zealand for at least another 12 months. So that's good. That's that makes sense to me, right? I I don't always subscribe to this. A player wants a way you should let him go. Should do what's best for your uh, for your team, and I I think that automatically uh, rules out professional pride and players wanting to play well. What they're just going to mail it in and miss tackles for you. I I don't think elite sports people are built like that, Louis, aren't they? No, they're not, and it's it's a, the the hardest part of this this kind of puzzle is the fact that you and Sam made and the point you made around there's not a way like players can't be traded by clubs in the NRL. So at the moment, this is kind of a very unfair and inequitable system where if a player demands out, they're likely to get their way. But in American sports, you know, players can be moved at the on on the you know the whim of an owner or a, a GM just like that. That's not the case here. So contracts should theoretically mean more. It's a real commitment between player and club. So that's yeah. the kind of interesting dynamic that the NRL's got to work through. Where do they want this to be? Yeah, and, and I've been less concerned about his motivations for the move than the impact on the club. And as as I said at the top uh, during the sermon, uh, I'm not privy to what's going on, and you know circumstances change, and there might be a genuine reason for it. And tell you what, having lost both my parents, uh, I, can, I can tell you um, that is that's, that is something you never get over. So I completely understand if that is the case, why he would want to head back uh, to be closer to home, back after this. Right, coming up to the top of the hour, about to head off to news. Plenty of text messages we'll get to on the other side of the news. Remember, you can always uh, keep your comments coming through on double eight double three, the Temper and Post text machine. A phone number, if you want to use it, 0800-150-811. What else is coming up on the show well, the Wellington Phoenix have a double header against the Brisbane Roar in both the A-League women's and men's. We're going to catch up with Tim Payne, who was quite sensational for them last week in their win over Perth Glory. He'll join us a few minutes after 10. While Jeremy Coney, a former New Zealand 
cricket captain and part of our uh, commentary team here at SENZ to uh, have a good long look at New Zealand at the Cricket World Cup. He will join the show after 11 o'clock. Alex Chapman out of News Hub will join us for the bulletin as well. Stay tuned. News on the way with Aroha. Why, thank you, Finn. I hate to find the face of public opinion. Daniel's son here. Oh, that takes me back. The crane. Sweep the leg. Put him in a body bag. Fantastic. Great kid, right? Uh, almost four minutes after 10 o'clock. Tim Payne's going to join us in a few uh, minutes' time. Hey, wait. Some interesting comings and goings, Louis Herman Watt. Um, Sam Kane is taking up, according to New Zealand Media Report stuff, um, I've got a copy of in front of me. Um, We don't get a copy, it's online, isn't it? (coughs) (laughs) Um, Grow up. Uh, The All Black Skipper and Chiefs co-captain Sam Kane will miss next year's Super Rugby Pacific competition after opting to take up a short-term deal in Japan. Staff understands that 31-year-old will exercise the 2024 sabbatical in his New Zealand rugby contract to link up with uh, Tokyo. So that's... um, Similar to what, off the top of my head, Artie Savier has one of those, doesn't he? I'm pretty sure. Um, and uh, as, as you draw attention to a few days ago, Bowden Barrett. So they can all get back on the same flight. Um, because that season finishes, what, May, June, just before, I, I, I guess, the All Black season. Yeah, this makes perfect sense for Sam Kane. Perfect time to do it. Get away, go earn some coin, and, and maybe just look after the body a wee bit. Does he need another hard Super Rugby season compared to what he'll get in Japan? Uh, the question is, when he returns, will he be in the best All Blacks 23? Yep, big, big question. And, and that I, I've sort of, while I've invited your comments on, you know, if you want to talk about the team next year, that's understandable. I, I'm dodging it. Um, you know, I'm running over it like hot coals, because why? Because I think it means we're completely and utterly forsaking super rugby form, right? We're completely forgetting um, how players can impress in super rugby. Um, I, I, I know not everyone sees it like that, and that's absolutely fine. Um, so to answer your question, Louis, I'm not sure. He'll certainly oh. be in the mix, won't he? It's just dawned on me. You've been a, a massive proponent of this, that, uh, the frustration where super rugby seemed to just be like cast aside by these camps, by these rest weeks, by all, by the New Zealand rugby just kind of looking at it like just a, a means to a cause. Um, now, Scott Robertson would be the first super rugby head coach to go straight to the All Blacks job. Is that right? Mm, yes. So do you straight think... too, because Foster's obviously yeah. had super rugby experience, but he was an All Black assistant for a long time. Hence, the coach at Super Rugby. Yeah, and his his Scott Robertson is intrinsically tied to Super Rugby. In many ways, he is Super Rugby. He's the player. He's the person that's won the most. He's won, I think, about thirty eight percent of all Super Rugby titles as a player and a coach. So maybe he will value Super Rugby, and he is the one to understand it and empower Super Rugby, and to, as you say, look at that form more seriously and put a lot of stock in it. Maybe we'll get a change of opinion around what this competition could be. 
Well, he might also have more faith in coaches to actually, um, you know, rest their players when appropriate rather than mandated rest, which just just immediately puts our back up as a fan base. And, and I try to make this point perhaps a little bit clumsily. Yeah, the All Blacks are great, but the problem is the All Black uh, problem in my mind. The All Blacks play in my city once a year. That I'm sorry, that's not enough because ticket prices are out of reach for those games. I think you need your best talent. Um, as much as possible for those games that are far more accessible. And, and I still believe the best way to, uh, you know, sweep someone up into to this little world of sport that we love is going to a game where there's lots of people and great energy. Like, how many new Warriors fans fell in love with the sport because they went to an energetic um, Mount Smart this year? Heaps, right? A lot. Heaps, I would think. So uh, that, that's what I would like to think um, uh, will happen. Comings and goings. Wayne Barnes has retired from international rugby refereeing. What a wonderful servant he has been. Wayne Barnes in New Zealand intrinsically linked for a variety of reasons. Um, and he had a long statement, you know, talking about his career, and, and one paragraph did stick out. I will continue to advocate for referees and work closely with the International Rugby Match Officials Association to ensure match officials across the globe uh, not only have a collective voice, but also the appropriate support network for them and their families, particularly as online abuse and threats have become far too regular for all those involved in the game. It's just sad, isn't it? It's sad that that's where we are in this world, that we abuse match officials all the time. And it's not its not solely the domain of rugby. It's not solely the domain of rugby. Uh, and I don't know what you do uh, unless you turn off social media. I, I don't know the answer there. Um, it, I would recommend challenge your mates if they're doing it. I, I don't think it's helpful. I don't think it's healthy, especially when you get to a sport like rugby where it's pretty convoluted. Not like the beautiful game where it's far simpler. Right? Especially when it comes to the handball rule. Handball rule these days. Right? Uh, a handball certainly featured big time in the Wellington Phoenix's last game. That was a clumsy segue, but I'm, I'm going to stick with it, Louis. I'm going <laughs> to stick with it. Let's talk the Wellington Phoenix, uh, whose men and women's side both had wins last weekend and now uh, venture back to uh, Sky Stadium together. It's uh, the first doubleheader weekend of the season. Tomorrow afternoon, the women are up against the Brisbane Raw, then the men's side play. Tim Payne joins us from the Wellington Phoenix. Uh, the right fullback joins the program. Tim, welcome in. How are you doing? Hey guys, yeah, really good, thank you. Um, did, was there a blade of grass at Sky Stadium you didn't cover last week? <laughs> yeah, well, on the left side, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a little bit different than playing centre back, but uh, no, I thoroughly enjoyed the the game, and the, obviously the result was fantastic. Mate, you were everywhere, in all seriousness. Did, did, do you get GPS sort of um, readouts, and, and what was yours if you did? Like how how many how many days um, would you have covered? Oh uh, yeah, we yeah we do every after every game. I think I was it wasn't overly high. Um, I think I was about ten and a half k's, and then over a thousand high speed meters. So um, the high speed meters were quite up there, but the total k's. I think a few of the boys did more total k's than me, but I mean that's pretty standard in a in a football game. Well, ten k's at a thousand high speed meters more than I've done this decade. So I bow down to you, Tim. Uh, congratulations, <laughs> but. Like what? What a dramatic! What a dramatic finish! Um, the handball, the penalty save, you know, to secure the win after you're up two goals to one. Th- those last few minutes, you know, <laughs> how crazy were they? Yeah, I mean, we seem to always make it a little bit more difficult than we need to at times. Um, 
it was obviously fantastic to get the three points. Uh, AP came up big with a, a, and one of those one of those decisions I think is a little bit harsh because there's no one no one around him. And it, obviously, as a handball, I understand why the referee gives it a, a penalty, but it's not influencing the game. But and it doesn't, doesn't matter as AP stood up. And yeah, I mean, when, when it, any goalkeeper saves a penalty, it's uh, it's all celebrations around him. It was fantastic that we were able to hold on and yeah, get the three points. Yeah, for those who haven't seen the moment, uh, he's right on the byline and loses sort of track of the ball, and the ball just sort of lands on his outstretched hand, which, you know, by the modern definition is, you know, make, making his body bigger, um, so on and so forth. So you're right, Tim, it is a penalty under the law, but I, would you agree with me that the current law is an absolute ass? Yeah, I mean, it's very it's very difficult to to understand it um, wholly. Uh, I think there's, there's one of the one of the rules that if it, it comes off an attacker's body and hits a hand, it's a handball, or if it comes off the defender's body and it hits a hand, it's not a handball. So you've already got a little bit of a complication there. And I think it's just about making, trying to make football decisions and whether a player is trying to stop a stop a ball going to somewhere else or stop a goal, whatever it is. But, I mean, it's yeah, it's a difficult one. Anyway, it's one of those things that if we're better on the day and we're good enough, then you know, we take those decisions out of the game. But um, the efforts of Alec Paulson on that penalty, the way he sort of started life as your first choice, uh, he's been rewarded with a, a big contract extension this year. Uh, I, I'm sure you're really pleased for the guy. Yeah, 100%. It's fantastic to see uh, someone, a young Kiwi, t- uh, get his chance and take it. And he's, yeah, he's been fantastic in these first two games. And he's been uh, fantastic last season when he stood in for Ollie. And uh, hopefully that continues for himself and us, of course. Is he struck? <laughs> Is he strutting around, though? You know what keepers like. They're a weird, weird bunch. You know, is he strutting around, you know, feeling, you know, a little bit too big for his boots? No, AP's, AP's a very, very humble guy. So, um, you know, he's uh, very mature in probably his years and just continually was working hard, and I'm sure that he'll continue to be in that vein. Um, and, and if not, we'll, we'll knock him down a few pegs just to make sure he, sure he is, is. But, no, he's a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic um, bloke, and I'm sure he'll continue on performing like he is. Now, now Tim, I want 100% honesty on this on this one. No dancing around it. How much grief did you give Oli Sale after um, <laughs> his wayward pass leads to Oscar Zavada's opening goal? Yeah, a little bit, but it's one of those ones that <laughs> poor bloke, it, I mean, it's, it's, it happens to the best of us, but it's one of those ones that is that bad and you kind of know that he's He's messed up, and it's one of those ones you probably just leave alone because um, he's probably hurting more than anyone else. But yeah, there was definitely a little bit there after when we caught up for a beer. So um, yeah, I'm sure he'll he'll come right. But uh, it was uh, had to happen. It was, it was either going to go one or two ways. He's going to have an absolute blinder against us, or did what he did on the weekend, which is just unfortunate for him. But he'll be good. So so you didn't like like slide up to him at the corner and whisper in his ear, mate. You know you don't wear yellow. Your team doesn't wear yellow anymore. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't get fit enough forward to do that at corners, so um, would have loved to have the chance to, but yeah, going to get close enough to him. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, uh, how did you judge the performance against Perth? Of course, you, you go ahead, you look pretty comfortable. I, on my reflection, I thought a really cheap foul you gave away that led to the goal, and, and probably the defence at set piece probably wasn't the level you would have wanted. Um you're good enough to come back and actually to, to win the game, and that's huge credit to you. But when you looked at the whole 90 minutes and you reviewed it, you know what's the team saying about it? Yeah, I think if we look at from the, the first 
game against Western Sydney where we probably were very poor with the ball, but were fantastic defensively. And then the one against Perth, I think we probably put the defensive and attacking units together in, in spells throughout the game. I think there were moments throughout the game where we were in total control and cruising and possibly, you know, BK hits the post, I should probably finish my chance um, and we could potentially go in up 2 or 3-0. And I think those kind of moments, hopefully we can capitalise on and hopefully we can control the game for longer. Um, but look, it's we're playing a new system under a new coach and we've got a lot of new faces in there. So to pick up a draw and a, and a win on the first two games of the season, I think we're on, on, on a good track at the moment and it's just about, you know, putting a full 90-minute performance together and hopefully we can do that against Brisbane tomorrow. Under a new coach, of course, who was your assistant? Um, I, I think people could be forgiven for thinking, well, you're just going to roll over the same sort of uh, tactics and style of play. Has that been the case, or is it markedly different what um, your new coach is trying to achieve? Uh, no, it hasn't been the case. I wouldn't say it's markedly different. Uh, there are, you know, he's definitely set us up in a, in a slightly different way and has a few different ideas. Um, I think how we're defending is definitely different, um, and there's probably more flexibility in the way they're attacking players play. Um, and it's also very dependent on who we play. I think, you know, he likes to change up uh, little bits and pieces um, going forward uh, when we play a particular teams. So, yeah, he's got his own ideas, um, which has probably been a fantastic thing for the group to get a, a, bit, a bit of a fresh, yeah, those fresh ideas in and re- rejuvenate everyone. And, yeah, so I think there's some similarities, obviously, with working under a coach for four years that Chiefy's probably taken on board, but he's got his own ideas and styles as well. Tim Payne out of the Wellington Phoenix with us. A couple more before I let you go. One thing that is noticeable is the holdover, especially um, with regards to your, your foreign import spots. Uh, there's been real consistency there. I think only Jan Sass moved on. I, for, forgive me if I've got a, a name or two wrong there, but you know how important has that stability been? Like you know, not going around trying to you know meet these guys, understand what they're all about because they are so important to, to any A League side. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, we're only allowed five foreigners and uh, they're usually, and you hope, <laughs> hope, hopefully, they're your five best players in your team. Um, and so, yeah, it's been fantastic to keep the, the four boys here from last season. I think they all performed uh, fantastically last season as well. So that provides us with some stability. They're quite senior players and they've played professionally around, uh, around the world. So I think that brings an added and add a little thing to the to the group, and especially with the group that we have, where we've promoted a lot of young boys, and you know, some young boys are getting their chances this year, which is it's fantastic to have those senior players and those players who have had experiences um, all across the world to to be here and be here for that second year. It's been, I think, uh, vital for us so far. And tell us about the raw your opponents for tomorrow's game. They've a draw a draw against Macarthur to open the season, then really impressive win last week against Sydney. Yeah, I mean, um, comparatively to the uh, last couple of seasons, I think they've uh, set up very, very well. They're you know, very attack-minded. They press high, uh, lots of energy. So you're going to expect that on the uh, tomorrow. Um, yeah, they started off really well. They've got a few fantastic additions. And uh, Farm Berengay, who's you know played at City for a few number of years and has been fantastic every single time he's played. And they've got some other real attacking threats. So, you know, we have to be um, at, our, at our top of our game to come out with three points. And hopefully, like I said before, um, we can have to put on a complete performance where we can dominate the game for 90 minutes. Uh, out of your training base on the heart, a wonderful facility. Um, I 
Batumi are there. Oh, it's really, really poor of me. Um, yeah, yeah. The the, the 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 women's side too after their win last week three goals to nil they jumping around jumping for joy that they full of energy and, and excitement after their good start to the season. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think they've they've gone out and got a few couple of good foreigners and and, and bolstered their squad as well. And with tents coming in, they've had a fantastic start, um, which is fantastic for the club as well. Um, it's a it's a bit definitely a, a good environment to be around when. You know, I've got uh, both the men's and women's team uh, doing well and picking up wins on the weekend. It makes the training week and the environment around the facility, which is absolutely fantastic here out in the hut, um, makes it uh, all that a little bit more enjoyable. Good on you, Tim. Thanks so much, mate. I want 11Ks and 1,500 sprint metres this weekend. Good luck. (laughs) Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. It was Tim Payne, who was simply excellent for the Wellington Phoenix in the right fullback position. He did cover a whole heap of uh, turf as the Wellington Phoenix uh, picked up a 2-1 victory over the Perth Glory. It was a bit of a wild game. Ollie Sale in the ninth minute, just passing the ball to Oscar Zavada. Um, of course, Ollie Sale, the former Wellington Phoenix captain and, and left for the Perth Glory. Um, he was lobbed embarrassingly by Zavada. Uh, and then a crazy finish to the game. Kelly Held, I think it was, uh, gave away a penalty. Yeah, a penalty under the law. Um, there was not much intention to it. Um, more unlucky, uh, but up steps Alex Paulson who makes the save from the penalty spot. And he's been rewarded with a new long-term deal, keeping him Wellington to 2027. So the Wellington Phoenix up against the Brisbane Raw. Checks notes, 5.30 kickoff tomorrow. Uh, the women kick off uh, before that against uh, Brisbane Raw. Brisbane Raw are two from two. They've won uh, both games. Maybe against the, the run of play, uh, but they'll be a difficult tie. But uh, the Wellington Phoenix women's side, who we previewed a few weeks ago with Paul Temple, uh, he did promise uh, entertaining attacking football. Um, and the early signs, um, he's living up to his word. Macy um, phrase. anyone watch her last week? That, for a 21-year-old diminutive midfielder, um, anyone who, who likes Alan Partridge's football commentary, foot-like attraction engine. Like, Seriously. Diminutive, but absolutely thumps it, right, Louie? She looks a real baller, a real baller. Well, well, Macy Fraser, you'll remember this, Daniel, when I was banging on about it. Do you remember when um, Rangiora High School was making a big run oh, at, the, yeah. uh, at the... So Talia Herman, what, Macy Fraser, Gabby Rennie? The, the, oh, the yeah, girl. they're all in it. That, yeah, they all played for WiMAC. They all came through that youth grade together, and I'm, I'm almost certain they all went to high school together. I just want to double check that. I know Gabby and Talia went; they were in that same team together, and they've all gone on. So, hey, North Canterbury, they can just produce women's footballers, and North they, they can. Yeah, Scribe would be proud. I think that's what he was rapping about. Actually, I think he was singing about uh, <laughs> talented young women's footballers. Absolutely, no, no, no question about that. Um, again, thanks to Tim Payne, uh, the Wellington Phoenix, uh, the first uh, double header. A day tomorrow at Sky Stadium. Uh, where are we? It is... Where's my clock gone? It's 22 minutes after 10 o'clock. Stay with us. This is SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Minus Smithy. Uh, back with uh, plenty of your text messages. Whoa, there's a few. Our numbers are 0800 150 811 if you want to call, if you want to text us. Double eight double three on the temper and bedpost text machine. We are now 27 minutes after 10 o'clock. Uh, heading off to news shortly. Later this hour, uh, the bulletin with uh, Alex Chapman from News Hub. All right, let's get to some of those uh, text messages. Louis, you can help me with this one. This is from uh, Scott Logan, who writes... What union position would best fit a league prop 
Um, obviously, draw, you know, one plus one equals. Uh, this is on the back of, I assume, uh, the Adam Fanua Blake, and, and maybe looking at rugby to to fill that void. Um, I'm not sure if it's one position. Uh, I, I think it's the, the the traits of the player, right? The traits of the Scott player Barrett. You you would want Scott Barrett, old dog roll. I think so. I think so. He'd go all right. I think so. Because um, if, if you just look at the the pure counting stats at the Rugby World Cup, you know. Um, defenders beaten, carries, meters carried. Adi Savi is right up there, but you probably want him want him one in in the tight, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want him a little bit wider in in, in rugby league? Well, rugby league fans can tell with this. Um, Bundyark, he's another beast with the ball. He had an amazing tournament. Um, I still can't believe he's lost it at only one hundred and one kg. The way he hits people with ball in hand, with his great four-to-foot work at the line. It makes me think he's about 120 kegs. But again, mm. I'm not sure um, you're chucking him in the front row. Although, I, I think wherever you throw him, and when contact's involved, um, he, he would go all right. Um, Peter Steph to toy. Imagine how many tackles he would make. Rugby league, oh, Peter Steph. Didn't he? He'd, he'd make a couple, wouldn't he? He'd be I up think there with Tor yeah. Harris's 50 per game, I would think. I think you could probably make a case that Eben Itzabeth would be the greatest rugby league player of all time if you if you really broke it down. <laughs> what that the greatest of all time in two sports? Has anyone ever done that? Um, Pete, Pete has a question: Do soccer football contracts mean anything, or are they a waste of time like league ones? Question mark. Um, well, there is always wiggle room to get out of a contract. Um, and players can agitate for moves, and if you're unhappy, um, clubs might want to move you on. But generally, the other club who signs you has to hand over some money. Like Saudi Arabia were handing out big checks and wanted Mohamed Salah. Um, Liverpool turned down 150 million quid, according to some reports, because he had um, multiple years on the contract and he was central to them. Uh, they've kept him, that's worked all right. Um, you know, how, how much the press were accurate saying he, he wants to move, I, I'm unsure. But you look at someone like Alex Polson here uh, on a far lower level, right, in the, in the Wellington Phoenix. He signed a three-year extension. I think it's three years. What is likely to happen in that contract? And I don't know. I haven't seen it. I'm not going to see it, right? Uh, it's not going to pass me the contract. But what I would guess in his contract, that there is a clause, an exit clause, that if an overseas club matches a particular value, let's say for argument's sake 200000 New Zealand dollars, that if they are willing to fork that money up to the Wellington Phoenix, they are then free to sign said player. So he could leave after a year. And in fact, I, I think the Wellington Phoenix, longer term, would like this to happen more regularly. Um, players, money of course, want the... Yeah, the players, of course, want the, the release clause uh, value as low as possible. Clubs want it higher, so they get a bigger clip of the ticket. Um, if, if they don't meet, Callan Elliott occurs, right? That's how that, that deal last season fell over, because they couldn't agree on a release clause. Uh, so to answer your question, yes, they are worth more um, on face value than uh, uh, rugby league. And, and that's why I guess I, I, find, I, find, I find the league system, uh, I don't like it, fundamentally. I don't like the fact we're signing players for 2025 right now, and I don't like it that players can agitate and seemingly get out of their contracts really easily without fair value given to the club they're leaving. Well, what I'm saying to Warriors fans here, Louis, is, I think that club should get fair value or near the value of that player. But they're probably not going to, are they? 
Uh, Daniel, has the Blues announced who's taking over from McDonald? Could we get Schmidt? Someone asked. Yes, you've got Vern Cotter and Bogan O'Hurricane. The great Jason O'Halloran. Um, so Vern Cotter is signed on, right? A couple of years, I think. And lastly, from Craig, writes, Ahoy, crew of the... What's that word? Tree-remy? Mornings? I, d- I don't know, Craig. Uh, Admiral Daniel Helmsman Louie and Galley Slave Finn. Are you okay with that, Finn? You're a galley slave, according to Craig today, who is currently swabbing another warrior's mess off the poop deck. Thank you very much, Craig. Admiral, I'll take that. Lord Admiral, it's probably more fitting, but I'll, I'll, I'll happily accept Admiral. Uh, it's time to shut up and head to news. It's 28 minutes away from 11. The Love Racing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. So much happening this weekend, Daniel. It's Derby Day, which is called the Racing Purist Day at Flemington. It starts the the Melbourne Cup Carnival, of course. Uh, Black and white suits. People will be looking spectacular. Uh, Joe Bell is on track, which I'm very proud to say that he is over there enjoying some racing. Good on you, Joey. Uh, he'll have a great time. He'll find it hard to tip a winner or, or back a winner. Uh, it's a very even, tough day of racing. Back home, we've got racing at Tauranga tomorrow and, of course, Trentham as well. I've got a, a good set of bets I like. Come back to the mail run tomorrow at 8 a.m. Back to regular programming for our best bets. Um, of course... Yes, today they resume at Te Aroha after a long break. I actually have a couple I like at Te Aroha today. Uh, Baz has his horse Stokes, named after Ben Stokes, go around. This horse is so overdue breaking his maiden in race four. Um, my best bet would be race eight, if in doubt, Dance. I think it won probably a little ahead of schedule for Lance Noble uh, last First up, this preparation, he said the horse was bouncing out of its skin, but she got out of rating 65. She goes up a grade today. I think she's pretty smart horseless, if in doubt, dance, race number eight. That's it, Te Aroha. A text is coming. Hi, Louie. I see Smithy's horse is running in race two at Tauranga tomorrow. Thoughts? Yes, Ku Cullen is in race two, $4.80, $1.50. In this field, um, there's one horse I want to be with. That's Oniera. But the issue is it's $2. It's very short versus Ku uh, Cullen, who we saw a lot of talent out of in its first preparation. Just the four starts, one half of them, pretty good effort. Um, it's, won a, it's won a trial. It's had another quieter trial. And I think Ku Cullen's a real shot. And it'll be a bonus back race, so I wouldn't talk you off it at all, Carl. It's a massive day. Come back to the mail run from 10 for all of your detailed racing analysis from Mick and I. And I'll just finish this with this, Daniel. We've got Alex Chapman coming up on the bulletin. He has been told he is allowed to add a leg to our Friday freebie multi. I've got my bet. I don't know what yours is yet. But we need a punter to be involved. We need a great listener to be involved. And I'm going to do this. Double eight, double three. If you want to be involved in our Friday freebie multi, text us your feel-good bet of the weekend. Because I'm so sick of feeling anxious. Last week, I was freaking out about the Rugby World Cup. This week, I'm Pakistan. freaking out about Pakistan. Just oh, New hovering. Zealanders weren't here. They didn't, they didn't care about South Africa last weekend. They didn't, they didn't worry about South Africa last weekend. Pakistan. They've only beaten us five times in 2023 in one-day cricket, Louis. And some um, 
It's, 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 I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the sick feeling. I'm sick of being sick. So I want you to text double eight double three. What is your feel good bet of the weekend? What's a bet that yes, it's going to win, but also it makes you feel good to put it on. You know, let's be positive. Let's manifest winning. Let's manifest happiness. Okay. So you text that double eight double three. We'll choose something to go into our multi for the weekend uh, when Chappie comes up on the bulletin very shortly. Then, uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, Bundy Arki had 63% dominant carries at the World Cup, twice as much as Adi Savia. Wow. What a unit. He'd go right in rugby league. He'd go right. Um, so text in your feel-good bet of the week. The Bulletin. Don't go to break. 17 away from 11 o'clock. It's a joke. It's a joke, mate. It's a joke. It's a joke, mate. Alex Chapman joins us for the bulletin. How you doing? I'm a jerk, mate. Get used to it. Get used to it, fun. Nobody will tell you that. Hello, Chapman. I'll tell you that as well. I've known you longer. For free. Absolute for free. <laughs> for free. Absolutely. I, I You know I love going down rabbit holes. Lou Herman Watts selecting Scott Barrett to replace uh, Adam Fanua Blake at the Warriors. I'm going with Marcos <laughs> Crema of Argentina. Um, you know, two metres tall, 116 kegs, workaholic. And we need to save his ears from becoming the worst cauliflower ears in the history of world rugby. Who are you picking out of world rugby to replace Fanil Blake? On the hatch of world rugby? Yeah. Yeah, stupid game. You know me. Uh, uh, I was going to say, Travis Kelsey could be cool. From Taylor Swift. Yeah, that would do that. I was about to say, actually, that's a very good idea. I will accept it. I will allow it. Um, I will allow. Yeah, I reckon that's the first time you've ever said that to me. I reckon that's the first time you've ever yeah, said that was a well, good idea. Um, I'm, well, thanks. Well, thanks. You? Oh, no, I'm a little bit... Um, I don't know where to take this, because Louis written me notes, as always, um, and he's got AFB sad, black cap sad. So I, I guess <laughs> this is going to be a sad... This is going to be a sad 10 minutes or so. <laughs> Are you sad? You, which sad topic would you like to start with? You got an extra word. I got AFB, comma, PCs, mostly. It's my notes. <laughs> God, you're thorough. <laughs> Good producing, bro. <laughs> right, where should we start then? Well, let's start about uh, Adam Fanua, Blake. Um, yeah, you know, there's so many ways you can look at this. What way are you looking at this, Chappie? Uh, well, firstly, they have to let him go. Because if you have an unhappy player, then they just won't play well. Like, history just shows you that, not just with... Um, the Warriors, but any sport. But it creates disharmony in the locker room, and we've actually seen with Warriors teams in the past how quickly that can then affect on-field performance. I don't know if Andrew Webster, given what we've seen this year and how much of a player-coach he is, and he would allow that, to be honest, but I am intrigued how long they leave this, because do they just say, yep, totally get it, Fano comes first, go back, be home for Christmas, or... Do they do like what we've seen in the NBA in particular recently with the likes of Damian Lillard, with James Harden? Do do they wait for as long as possible to get the possible offer? And it's really potentially quite interesting mind game here. What it is going to do, though, is, is force the Warriors potentially to play differently. And this has been talked about before. I'm not revealing some deep secrets or going full analytical nerd here, but... When, and this is going to be a bit hard to paint with words, but we'll see how we go here. When, when Fanua Blake puts himself at first or second receiver, it creates 
this space. And, and because then he either runs off a half or Tohu Harris, who sometimes plays this role that Silver Blade does, where he yeah. runs off him, which then allows a 3-2 or a 2-1 overlap on the right-hand edge. And it's why we saw someone like, in particular, Dama Martinez-Elizniak have so much success this year. He also obviously plays the ball very quickly. It's why Wade Egan had such a strong season, why he ran so many metres. It doesn't allow defences to reset properly. So you could go out and get a prop probably for a lot cheaper than what Adam Fanoa Blake's on. But I don't know if you can find someone that's going to bring the same skill set. And that's what's concerning Warriors fans, I think. Yeah, I agree with nearly all of what you said. Can I go back to your original point? Yeah. You can't keep a player who wants away. Like, we can't say that about every person on the planet, right? I've got Harry Kane wanted to leave Spurs and got 27 goals last season. Um, like yep. th- these players are professional. You, you can't. I don't think we we can. Do you, do you do you understand where I'm coming from? I do. I do. I do. I I think though, if it's and this is where it comes. It's not like it's a um. Oh, I don't like this club or I don't see a winning future. It's on compassionate grounds. And the, the skeptic in me says, no, you just want to go and play for a different club. You just want to go back to Sydney, where your mates are, hang out with them, potentially get a better contract, a bit more money. Um, but if it's on compassionate grounds, if it's that he wants to be with his parents, we don't know if his parents are sick. We don't know if there's some family problems. So you, you have to give credit to the man that it genuinely, these genuinely are the reasons. And you don't want someone that is really unhappy in, an unhappy, uh, in their workplace. That's, I suppose, where the emotion comes into it, maybe. Where the yeah. empathy comes into it. Yeah, and we're not privy to the exact reasons. It might come out in the goodness of time. And you know what? Once we've got that information, we are allowed to change our view. Uh, but right now, we're, we're dealing with how, how do they replace them? Um, it's awkward. Hey, there's a rugby league test that's been completely overshadowed as a result, right? <laughs> yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if um, that's what gets talked about at the Kiwis and the Kangaroos media ops today, because that's what's being talked about in, in rugby league circles at the moment. I don't think, um, I have to be careful here, because uh, being frustrated with the way some things have been dealt with this week with, with the Kiwis and, and who has been caught up. Um, but I don't know if they've marketed it as well as they could have, and it's a shame, because this is going to be a really, really fun test potentially kiwis v australia in hamilton and we've seen how hamilton have turned out in the past for for rugby league obviously those fantastic scenes in what was it 2017 with with tonga i think Lou, you might have even gone to that um Mm. so it's going to be a really cool game i just don't know if it's been sold as well as it could have and you know why why aren't players and sorry audience this is going a bit media frustration here but like why aren't players being put up for one-on-ones for example why is the only availability for the kiwis a signing session on a wednesday in hamilton so um i don't know whose decision that is but yes it could be a really really good game tomorrow and that's wow before another new zealand sporting (laughs) organization making it difficult for the media to get it color me absolutely 20 years in counting uh let's get to the other sad topic the black caps how sad are you like 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 in a in a dark sad place moderately sad (laughs) ready to come out of your your unhappy state because you take on pakistan Uh, as you know, Daniel, there's very few teams that actually have emotional connection to, and the Black Caps are one of them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sad, I'm concerned that I had so much hope, and once again, I may be about to lose it in, what, 
30 to a shower's time. Um, I, I do think that they'll still make it through. I think they'll beat Pakistan. I think they'll beat Sri Lanka. I'm concerned whether they'll actually be able to field a fully fit 11 because normally when you have 15, 15 players squad and five of them go down, you're left with only 10 and you can't field a 10-man squad so or 10-man team. So, um, yeah, the, the decision-making around bowling first, the other day, it's still kind of puzzling me, to be honest. Like, have, have you got to the bottom of that? Because I, I genuinely couldn't understand it. And Tom Lytham's normally a very astute analytical captain. Oh, I know, I'm at the bottom of it. They got it wrong. End of story. Okay, cool. Pe- people cool. make, people make mistakes. That. Whether or not they uh, publicly admit it, because, you know, sporting teams don't like to admit fallibility uh, in public. They just got it wrong, right? It's pretty obvious. Yeah. It's pretty obvious that, that they got it wrong. Um, so, so Henry, Henry Gomberger, Ferguson's... Yeah, give, give us the news as far as the injury concerned. Give, give us a running tally. You're probably across a bit better than I am. Um, so the Black Caps will announce this afternoon, early evening, an update regarding Mick Henry. Um, I think I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, why not? We've said it now anyway, too late. Um, <laughs> Mick Henry, I think, were... <laughs> I think the fact that Jameson's on a plane over to India kind of indicates that Mick Henry's probably yeah. gone. Um, Lockie Ferguson, it doesn't sound as bad as initially feared. Jimmy Neesham, that didn't look great. Um, and then by the sounds of it, Kane Williamson should play tomorrow against Pakistan, which was always roughly the timeline of what they were thinking anyway, was the, the penultimate game of round robin. So you think Williamson will come back into it. Then it's also, who's the fifth one? Mark Chapman. I should remember that. Um, and, and how fit he is. So it's, it's going to be the bowling depth. Tell you what, Tim Southey did look like a man that hadn't really played international cricket for a little while, didn't he, the other day in that? Okay. okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. We need it. It's enough. It's enough sadness. It's enough sadness. Uh, Chippy. You wanted us to be sad. Yeah. You can only. You can only take what so much punishment, Chappy. We, we're asking people for a feel-good bet. They're gonna somebody's gonna get a leg in a multi. Uh, Daniel and I will give ours after this. Yours in thirty seconds or less. Okay, well, you would have abused me if I've gone for anything under $2. So I was going to go for kind of thirty, but then you would have called me a coward. Um, I looked at Manchester City over three and a half goals. That wasn't quite $2. So we're going to go. If you go and see the basketball today, people, you go um, your alternate lines. You go the Orlando Magic to beat the Utah Jazz minus four and a half. There you go. Beautiful. Thank you, mate. Thank, thank you for ending my sadness. Um, <laughs> hey. I'll come for you on a Sunday morning over text. Brilliant. Thanks, Chappie. Go enjoy your weekend, mate. Thank you. Alex Chapman from New South joining us there to talk sadness. Um, <laughs> Paul writes, the ball would be in play too much for any rugby player. Uh, again, another one of those general sweeping statements that um, are quite laughable. Marcus Kramer, seriously. And a doddle he'd do it. Uh, back after this. Uh, keep your feel-good uh, sporting tips of the weekend coming through to help us with our Friday multi. Really enjoying them. Louis is going to rattle a few of them off a little bit later. Uh, a couple more text messages. Morning, as Mike Hosking said this morning, Adam has a history of this. Cheers, Steels. Uh, my name's not Mike, it's Daniel, but you're right, Steels. I did say that earlier today. Is Hosking still on radio? Good for him. Uh, Neil writes, um, obvious who replaces Adam Fanua Blake from rugby, the Tongan Thor from that poor Australian team. has Kiwi Connections too. Uh, excellent stuff. 
Uh, someone lobbying Louis here. Come on, Louis. Surely Tom Latham, top run scorer, is my a feel-good bet. Captains knock. He says edge past Pakistan. Makes up for the poor South African decision. And he did say hello to me at the Evanhead Coffee Shop. I like that. Thank you, Mark. Very good. We'll get to more of those uh, as things go on. I do I do love how people's minds work. Jeremy Coney, one of the greatest cricketers' minds there, uh, will join us after the news at 11. News on the way now. Uh, no Smithy. Uh, Daniel McCarty in the chair for Smithy while he is at Cricket World Cup. And that's where we're going to start our final hour of today. We roll through to 12 o'clock before Staffy takes over. Coming up a little bit later, we've got a harness racing update for you and also the sports desk with Polaris. But right now, we are thrilled to welcome into our coverage here on SENZ, former New Zealand captain, long-time cricketing commentator, one of the more astute minds out there, Mr. J.V. Coney. Jeremy Coney joins the program. Jerry, lovely to hear from you. I trust you're doing better than the New Zealand bowlers. <laughs> Hello, Daniel. Yeah, no panic, though. No panic, boys. Two two games to go. <laughs> two, two. I, I don't know what's wrong with me, Jerry. I, had the cha- I got the remote in my hand, and I could change the channel. But for some reason, I've just watched the last, the first 19 overs of that Australian opening partnership. And 175 oh runs off 19 overs. Quite extraordinary. And, and as much as we don't like doing it in this part of the world, you have to give a lot of credit to Warner and Head, who were quite sensational. But... How, like, how much should we be reacting to the bowling efforts maybe in the last couple of games? Yeah, well, 745 runs from those last two games against our bowling attack. Um, not the attack only. You know, you've got 10 other guys, haven't you, who are, you know, fielders. Um, and, and it hasn't been one of our stronger suits in the last couple of games. I think probably four or five chances have gone down in each of those ma- matches once we've been put under pressure. And I think generally, Daniel, look, um, if you looked at the schedule as a whole, four easier games to start and we got through there. Sometimes equivocal venues where we thought they might be banana skins, but we got through. Then there were three games that were always going to be tougher. You know, Australia, India, South Africa. Australia certainly after they had picked up the game before before that match in Durham Charlie you just talked about, and then of course we've got in a, in a, you know an even match coming up and then an important one to finish. So we're kind of tracking, in terms of results, I think as expected. You know according to New Zealand's ranking in this format. So um, as far as the bowlers are concerned, yeah, look we bowl along the wicket. We have for years. Um, we don't, we're not like South Africa and not like India who hit the track a bit harder and therefore get some variation and bounce, sometimes a bit higher, right. sometimes a bit lower. So we don't have that. And then we've got to be honest about it, that the bowling itself, you know, we, we really only had after Michael Bracewell was out, you know, early on. And we've kind of coped with that, but we've never covered the hole completely. And, and um, we've, we've basically got Latham handling as effectively a three-and-a-half-man bowling attack. We've got Henry Bolton, Santner, and Henry's now a bit of an issue, but those have been our three main bowlers. So we've kind of had to find 20 overs sometimes 
and he's manipulated that okay. You know, Ravindra and Phillips have done their job. Ferguson is effective when we play against the weaker Asian sides. Um, Saudi is understandably short of a gallop after two to three months. And Nisham is good and bad, as he's always been. So that's a kind of, I think, from my point of view, an assessment of our bowling. So we, we've done okay there. We are going to have the odd bad day. And it's, a, it's just a question, are we on the down track when we come up against Pakistan, who are, a, who are themselves a slightly odd animal at times, aren't they? You know, in terms of they can be right up there and outstanding or they can be, you know, sometimes they, oh, I don't know what they're like, you know? <laughs> um, so... It's an equivocal side. And then we've got Sri Lanka. So um, we're still in it. I think, you know, in terms of what people uh, might be following and watching, if we lose to Pakistan, obviously they come up to our points. Uh, and we're still, depending on the size of that loss, we could still be ahead on run rate. Uh, and in Sri Lanka, we obviously have got to win one of those games minimum. And the way Sri Lanka's going, if you don't beat them, you probably don't deserve to make a semi-final. But compounding matters with our bowling, those two type of bowlers who hit the wicket harder, probably Henry and Ferguson, um, have been out of the side. Well, Henry looked like he was bouncing back after that toweling he received against Australia. I thought he did quite well through five and a half overs against South Africa. But, uh, mm. you know, it hurts when you lose, you know, two bowlers like that, and they just don't really have an equivalent in that squad. It is going to no, be a big loss, and of course, however long it is. A lo yeah, and along the wicket bowlers, if it's not moving, and, it, and we know that the white ball, when well, we've seen it game after game, maybe three overs max, um, you know, uh, like Bolt, for example, relies on movement. Really, He's got other obviously very good skills around the wicket and all that sort of stuff and slower balls and knuckleball, but uh, some of the other bowlers don't have that. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we do struggle with that. Um, Saudi doesn't have that. He seems to have that off-cutter and so on, but, but not a lot more. And he's bowling at such a pace that you can't use the short ball against him now. You know, he's quite a tall lad, but he can't. He drags down. He's only at 120s. He goes the distance. So that is an issue, um, but we have to cope with it. I mean, to be honest, the immediate concern is the injuries, isn't it? Uh, yes. Uh, you know, Williamson, a big blow early, came back, unluckily got a second one. Uh, is he available? We don't know. Uh, Southie, um, you know, experienced but becoming tired, uh, did a thumb. And can he feel the bottom of the ball? Hasn't played much, two or three months. Chapman's got a calf injury. Ferguson has a leg injury, apparently. Henry, obviously, a thigh or a hamstring. Nisham has got a thumb. Is it broken? We don't know. I don't know. Um, you might know more than those. But we're, it seems to me we're struggling to get 11, let alone the best 11. Now, Jameson's obviously on the plane, or, you know, I hope he's stretching out with those legs that goes two rows, uh, you know, if you're an economy. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, got, he's got a couple of days only really to acclimatise and get into a pretty important match. Otherwise, we haven't got an opening bowler. So, you know, we're left wondering with all those questions. Um, and, you know, I suppose it raises the bigger issue, which is 
not to be debated yet, but uh, how many should a squad hold for nearly, you know, six weeks in a tournament? On, on what are sandy outfields? They look great on the telly. But, you know, if you try and slide on them or dive on them, you can see big divots coming up, can't you? So they're very sandy, and you can do a knee if you slide on the knee, slide, and so on. So leg, leg problems, you know, are an issue. Um, so I think that's really all we can say. The, I don't know what you feel about the batting. Um, obviously, it has done okay until the last match. Um, for me, I mean, I think we rely on Conway and Mitchell quite a lot. Um, Young hasn't let us down, and Ravindra's been outstanding, but you can't expect miracles from a, young, miracles from a youngster. Yes. Um, yeah. Latham's out of touch, but Helly's been busy, captaining sides, keeping and doing all sorts of things, and making the wrong decision to toss occasionally. Um, Phillips, well, two, two out of seven innings. Has he? I guess so. They won against the Netherlands and won the other night where it was gone already. Chapman hasn't really had many chances, and Nathan uh, Nisham did well on the, against Australia. I thought. So, so in a lot of ways, due to the nature of the draw, um, soft draw, and then running the gauntlet, and the gauntlet sort of punched us in the face. That New Zealand sort of playing where you expected, um, yeah, and as reflected by the world rankings, yeah. Well, we have, wouldn't you say? I mean, a, a win against the way that India and South Africa have been playing, and I think against South Africa, we did make an error at the toss. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You can, they can stand up like politicians and tell us, no, no, we'd have stuck, stuck with the same, same thing. No, no. Uh, you, don't, you don't hand another team the strengths that they have. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think we are sort of tracking that way and we come down to an even match now and Pakistan, as I say, uh, you know, they, they've had a, just had a big win against Bangladesh who have been very poor, um, 204 and then they chased it down, three down, Shafiq getting runs and Fakhar Zaman has come back and he got, he's got some runs. And of course, they've got Babar and Rizwan. They've got Iftikhar and Shadab in the middle order who are hitters. Uh, and they've got the bowling, of course. Shane Shafridi has come back, hasn't he? He's in the wickets yes, now uh, and tracking up rather than down. Harris Ralph uh, has bowled fast, but not quite the accuracy. But he's got pace. And Mohammad Wasim has been interesting too for him as their third seamer. So there is pace there and the potential of a bit of bounce and a wee bit of swing early on for Afridi. And then we've got to contend with, you know, Usama Mir as a leggy and then a couple of offies as well. So, you know, uh, we've got to contend in the power play. We cannot, with our batting, lose wickets in that power play. Conway has got to stay in somehow. And then we've got to get Mitchell back on track from playing the big drives. And when he doesn't, you know, he's got to get himself in. It's the old things. It's a it's a different game, 50 overs than T20. It is a bit, it's a bit of a test match and part of T20. It's that fusion of those two formats, and and we've got to do both of those formats well. Yeah, and I'm glad you've highlighted Devin Conway because he started the tournament so brilliantly with that magnificent 150. It's the only time he's gone past 50 itself. I know he gets a brute of a yeah. ball against Janssen, the, the you know the left armer who's you know a million miles. 
tall and it really leapt on him. But he is just so yeah. central to everything New Zealand does, Devin Conway. He, he is. Um, he's, a, he's a broad spectrum batsman, scores both sides uh, of, of the wicket. And so he is just so, so key for us. Um, uh, the fielding has got to improve. Um, we're going to be playing the last two games at the same venue, Bengaluru, which is a smaller ground. Um, it has a reputation of being a high-scoring ground and a decent pitch. There's only been two matches there in the tournament. Um, we can't really tell too much from the first game. England batted first and got 156, uh, and Sri Lanka passed them 160, only two down. And in the second game, Aussie batted first against Pakistan, actually. They played there once. Uh, and got 367, and Pakistan made a reasonable fist, 305. So um, that's, that's the venue we'll be playing at. Um, we need to make a big effort, obviously, as I say. We've got to win one. If we win two, of course we're through. Um, I think, what have we got? Eight points still, haven't we? Um, yes. And, and South Africa, 12 and uh, India 14, they haven't lost a match yet, and, and Australia 8 as well, and tr um, Afghanistan are 6, aren't they? Um, yeah, they've got the Netherlands and, next. That's an interesting game, that's tonight, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a, a, a game, everybody who's following it, to keep their eyes on, because Netherlands aren't the worst, are they? They're a tidy... No. Um, very predictable what they're doing, but they're not a bad side. They hold their catches. They're a tough little team, I think. They've done very well in the tournament. So that might be an interesting match. Afghanistan obviously are tracking quite nicely in the last couple of games. So, but it could be tight. Um, so it'd be nice if they didn't get to eight, really. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Jerry, before I let you go, and, and I'm not yeah. interested in you breaking down exactly what's happened at this tournament, but England, it's just a fascinating storyline. World champs bottom of the pile. I know Joe Root's come out, and yeah, there's an argument of, you know, what else is he going to say? But he said that he would still pick his um, teammates over the Australian eleven every day of the week. So he's saying, man for man, they're better than Australia. You've watched a lot of them over the last couple of years uh, being in the UK. How have they lost their way in one-day international cricket? Or is it just it's just one of those things where everything's turned bad overnight? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah the, well, they're not doing anything. Particularly the batting in particular um, is a bit up and down. They haven't played a lot of T20, uh, sorry, t uh, uh, ODIs over the last four years, have they? I mean, leading up to that 215, as you know, they played lots, loads and loads, put a yep. lot of money into Heaps. it. And so, yeah, and, and told the sob story as if that would, as if no other side played lots and wanted to do well in the same way. Um, but nevertheless, um, they played well, they played in their home grounds and they won that, won that match rather dubiously. Um, so this particular one, they've hardly played any. They've played so much in other tournaments that have had conflict with ODIs going on at the same time. I mean, when they were in New Zealand, for example, played those two tests here, there was also yes, a series right. going on in Bangladesh, wasn't there? And so they couldn't get those players they wanted to play in their ODI side over to Bangladesh to play because they were already in New Zealand playing tests. It's that kind of clash that they've right. had. And they haven't had many games, I don't think. So they're not into the, 
into the flow of the whole thing. And um, that's, that's a major, I think. Secondly, I, look, I don't know, I think other teams have played very well against them too, haven't they? Um, New Zealand just cracked them. You know, we had, we played beautifully with the bat that evening. I mean, it was quite a surprise sitting there watching and saying, man, nine wicket win? We'll take that any day or any year. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but you're right. It, it is a surprise. It is a surprise. The surprise part for me is that they haven't been able to get together and turn it around somewhere in the tournament. Um, they've had long enough, uh, and they've all have to. When when you get in trouble like that, Daniel, I, you've been in teams, and all the listeners will have played a bit of sport. When you get in trouble, you go back to yourself, and you just in a little bubble yourself. You get the very best out of yourself. You don't know the other players. You know the other players, but you don't know them as well as you know yourself. And you've got to be able to drive that person who you are and what it means to you and how important it is and the things that you do well and assess those things and use those in the games. You've got to go back to those kind of very basic things and not be worried about everybody else. It's too, there's too many things to think about. Jerry, lovely to hear your voice, lovely to chat. Do appreciate it, my friend. Uh, we'll, we'll look on the bright side of life. Could be worse. We could be Sri Lanka, who lost a game by over 300 runs last night. Uh, truly extraordinary. Thanks for your time, Jerry. Hopefully we can catch up real soon. Yeah, Daniel. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. That is former New Zealand captain, uh, long-time cricketing commentator, the one, the only Mr. Jeremy Coney, offering uh, his very reasoned opinion on where New Zealand is at, you may want to react to it on double eight, double three. Yes, as far as uh, what happened overnight, India made 357 for eight. Shuman Gill made 92. Virat Kohli made 88. Chris Iyer made 82. Uh, 357 for eight. Um, and Louis Herman, it was going really well for Sri Lanka in the run chase. They were 29 for eight when Angelo Matthews uh, was dismissed for 12. How's this for a top order um, scorecard? Um, naught, naught, one, naught, and one. Sounds like you're dialing mm. America. <laughs> six for 14. 14 for the loss of six. And I just would have grabbed the stumps and walked off. It's like, <laughs> waving the white flag. I need a, uh, Coney's handkerchief from when he was, you know, bowling to Capital Dev all those years ago. Wave the white flag, but the tail wagged and they got through to 55. They got through to 55. As far as how the points ladder looks, it's probably important to say that before we get to a break. Uh, India unbeaten. Uh, they look all conquering, don't they? Good luck beating them. Seven from seven. They're on 14. South Africa have won six of seven. They're on 12. Then a bit of a um, get back to Australia and New Zealand are on eight points apiece. Australia have a game in hand on New Zealand. Then it's Pakistan. Same amount of games as New Zealand, but on six points, two behind, so just one win. And Afghanistan still not out of it. They beat the Netherlands. They beat the Netherlands tonight, Louis, and they have the exact same record as New Zealand. Yeah. And then they take on Australia in their last game. Australia wouldn't do anything to undermine New Zealand cricket. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. 22 minutes after <laughs> left. We will take a break. Be back with more shortly. It is 27 and a half minutes after 11 o'clock. Keep your messages rolling in. Uh, plenty on Fenua Blake. Uh, extremely average in the Brisbane final. Payne Haas killed him, writes Kevin. You are able to have a bad game. Um, doesn't mean you're a bad player. 
Ken Thompson, brother from Hawks Bay. He's an awesome ball carrier and destined to be an all black. I'm sure money talks, player walks, writes Dean. Who is Fanua Blake's manager and who manages St. George coach? Does that have anything to do with it? Question mark. Um, and, oh, this is all pretty simple. Sign a serviceable, serviceable prop, play Zion Moore, and use that money to sign Jerome Luai and Tom Dearden. It's Sean Johnson's last season after all. Right, Shane. And Scott writes, Louis Herman what? Hi, Daniel. You've just deleted it. Hi, oh. Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Have you seen the SHGC player get nine for two yesterday and five wickets in a row and two hat-tricks? Right, Scott. Thank you, Scott. I hadn't. My mind boggled as I've just brought it up in the ad break. At Tito Taranaki Bowler, Neve Moriarty took nine for two, including took a wicket with each of her first five deliveries in the match. And then, and then the story, written by Stuff Sports reporters, put your name to it when you make right lines like this. Otherwise, no one is a triple hat trick. I'd never heard of a triple hat trick before in my life. Um, I know there's fierce debate. You know, if you get four in a row, is it a hat trick or the start of a second hat trick or a double hat trick? Ah, I probably shouldn't care. Actually, I don't now that I reflect on it. Nine for two, so she took nine for two off two point two overs. So 14 balls, she took nine wickets. And Fielding High School were dismissed for 39. Well done, Neve. That's impressive, isn't it, Lloyd? She'll be playing for the White Ferns in two years' time, by the sounds of it. Imagine that, though. Five wickets off the first five balls of the innings. It, absolutely outstanding. I think, I, absolutely. I think, I think I'm pretty sure I did that in the radio sport offices. I was thinking I cleaned up. Pietro, Hayden, uh, Chappie, York, Tavelt. No, actually, no, I've never even actually put one in my first ball of a spell on the stumps. Five in a row? (laughs) (laughs) Kidding me? (laughs) It's awesome. So good. And and I'm sure there was absolutely no regret about not getting the 10th because her new ball partner, Zoe Ellerton-Kelly, snared a wicket in her first over. So both, both got a wicket in the first over. So, by my math, the team was six down after two overs. So, yeah, all going well. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much, Scott, for sending that through. And to my niece, my niece, Neve, congratulations on what you have achieved. Massively proud. We won't brag too much in this family, but well done you. Back after the break. Half past 11. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. 28 minutes away from 12 o'clock. Time for the Polaris Sports Desk, where we won't be talking 9 for 2 off 2.2 overs, I am sure. We might talk about cricket, though. The Polaris Sports Desk uh, with Polaris. Polaris special offers are on now at your local Polaris dealer. With a career, nine wickets to his name. Here's Louis Herman Watt. Uh, yeah, career. No, no, not even. Um, let's start. You've just picked up a story which I was just reading uh, there as well around Ian Foster. We'll get to that in a second. But let's do some uh, cricket. Let's stick with the cricket. And Tim Southey. We're going to really need Tim Southey. Finn, at the ready. We're going to need Tim Southey. 
um, because, well, we're obviously short in bowling stocks. And yeah, he was short of a gallop. He's definitely got the class and the runs on the board to suggest that he's going to be able to get back somewhere near his best. And the good thing about Tim Saadi is he has been involved in many an IPL campaign. So at least he understands the conditions. Uh, here is him talking ahead of the match against Pakistan. Uh, yeah, dangerous side. Um, they've, um, they've had a, a bit of a mixed tournament, but they've shown their class in, the, in a few of the games that they've played. So um, we know they're a dangerous side. We've played a lot against them over the last the last sort of 12 months, it, it feels. So, um, yeah, it should be a, a great game, as, um, as, as most games in this tournament have been. Yeah, but I don't want a great game, Tim. Here's what I want. Here's what I want. I want you to win the toss. I want you to score 370, and I want you to bowl them out for under 150, <laughs> just like what happened to us on Wednesday. <laughs> Man, there's been some hidings. Like, there's been some apps. We got a pants-down toweling, didn't we? Absolute yeah. toweling. Absolute yeah. toweling. England's I thought he bowled all right in his first spell. I thought I thought he, you know, dragged one down short, but and everyone got tap in the second half. Like I don't know if you've seen it. Quinton de Kock's shot to go to a hundred is just so oh, yeah. hilariously like cricketing porn. Easy. It's like that, when that guy got going, and he took a long time to get going. Um, that that is a frighteningly powerful batting lineup, and we got tonked. So flush the dunny, move on. I, I must admit, Jeremy Coney far less, far more rational than you and I, Louis. We've been up no. and down on the emotional roller coaster. You can understand why Jerry actually made it to the top and kept into the top. Very calm, very level-headed. We're just emotional wrecks. Yeah, well, Jimmy says, can we get more of Jerry Coney? He's a brilliant analyst and doesn't uh, bow down to uh, anyone. And it's true, and we will get more of Jerry, because here's the thing. We've got the um, we've got the home... We're the home of cricket this summer for New Zealand cricket. And you're right. He The way he said, well, we're probably going as we should have expected, made me feel so stupid and yeah, like I've been so irrational and got so <laughs> excited and, and then down. Um, you know... <laughs> Rationality is something as New Zealanders in sport that we sometimes lose touch with. And there's a great example of that. Today, that's just come up on stuff. They've written a story off the interview that Ian Foster's given to News Talk ZB's favourite radio station this morning. Um, he said, I wouldn't say there was a lack of trust. I think when you think you've got plan B in your pocket, sometimes you don't back plan A probably as much as you should. This is obviously talking about NZR having Scott Robertson there. Um, and I think that is probably a little bit unfair to how bad the All Blacks were when New Zealand rugby decided okay. to make this decision. So they wanted to, he, he's suggesting that they should have backed plan A. Like more. Which is going great. Is that your interpretation? Which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, when you think about it. Because plan A sucked as far as results. And I think New Zealand rugby would have been well within their rights to make sweeping changes, like compl- like move on from Plan A because Plan A hadn't produced, and, you know, results driven business. They went to Plan B, Fozzie, and you were in Plan B. They went to Plan B, didn't they? They they, they got rid of assistant coaches, so they backed Plan B. Who had Plan A in it? Like they they backed them in the end, didn't they? What, they was it untidy him. and messy in the back? Absolutely. Both, both things can be true, though, right? Yeah, they Plan probably made... Plan A did not work, right? We're all, we're all in agreement. Plan A did not work. Plan B worked. And Plan C is Scott Razor Robinson who's taking over. 
Uh, one thing he has said is I had a couple of options about what his next job is. This is Ian Foster before the World Cup that I basically said if you want to talk to me, you have to wait till after the World Cup. I respect the hell out of that. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, on your cool. point, on your point, yes, if Ian Foster has an issue with the way that the team, that the initial job was decided, where Scott Robertson and Ian Foster had to come with their teams ready, which split the talent and he ended up with John Plumtree and Brad Moore and maybe not the ideal staff, yeah, that is that is the that is the issue here. Uh, the fact yeah. he was given the, the right resource halfway through the tenure and, and got made to suffer through what was quite an embarrassing episode in South Africa when the CEO has turned up to terminate your job, but then you win. So he sits on a Zoom with 50 medias of the member and kind of fumbles around. I mean, that whole experience would have been so uncomfortable. And I, one thing that is really important to remember is that nothing was personal that I ever came across from the media towards Ian Foster. Actually, a lot of the time, when anyone, any, anyone ever started to talk about Ian Foster's performance, what did they do, Daniel? They actually prefixed it by saying, Fozzie's a great guy, and <laughs> then they would go well, on I, to criticise him. I tend to prefix with he's a good coach, and I know rugby players are really good at this, only listening to the negative things people have said about them uh, and mm. forgetting uh, the positives. He, he was a really good candidate when he originally got the job. He's a really good rugby coach. I, I think that's obvious. Um, what do I base that on? Speaking to players who played under him, players I really respect, players who played at the top level, who all think he's a really good rugby coach. But rugby coaching is, is not just about one person anymore. It, it's about your collective. It's about your collective. And unfortunately, our collective was a little bit lacking. Plan A was lacking. Plan B worked. Yeah, and, and, and that's... One point and, short. And, the, and that's not the... And this is... So I'll just finish up here. And with that in mind, this... Again, there's a difference. There should, you should be able to differentiate between criticism and people um, doing their jobs, like you're doing your job, and what is unfair treatment. Because this is the last quote that I'll read. The support that I've had is phenomenal. I think you've got to differentiate between some factions of the media and the rugby public as two different audiences. Well, well I, can, I, can t- I, I can tell you this, Ian Foster, and I know you don't care. There's quarters of the New Zealand um, public who have been far, far harsher and mean um, than members of the media. Mm. I've read it, I've seen it. I've received messages on this text machine, and I don't read them out. Right? But me saying results are X, Y, Z, we should do this. What would, Our opinion, we're not entitled to our opinions. Well, that's where you're wrong. We, we are, we always will be, and I respect everyone's right to an opinion. Yep, um, a couple of texts... Have... Disagree with me? Yeah. A couple of texts have come through straight away. This is where we'll wrap this up. Let's not forget Fozzie picked his own assistance. Yep, that's what we're talking about. Uh, the backing was done by the players for Foster and the union back down. No glory for the union. They cowered under pressure. Pete, yeah, a couple of good points. Right, let's uh, finish with the multi. TAB.co.nz is where we're putting this multi on. It's Smithy's Friday freebie. I asked you for the feel-good bet of the weekend. Um, these were the legs that Daniel I and Alex Chapman have chosen. Alex Chapman first. The Orlando Magic to beat the Utah Jazz by five points. $2.28. Me. Because we had so many of these nominations and I was already thinking along this way. Legato boosted to finish top three in the Golden Eagle for $10 million at $3.20. Daniel, what did you like? 
Well, England might be bottom of the table and already are effectively out of the Cricket World Cup after five losses and six matches. And they take on their old uh, nemesis, Australia, in their next game. And Australia can mathematically end England's world title defence um, on Saturday in India. But Joe Root says he would still choose England's 11 over Australia's every day. And I quote, man for man, I'd have this team every day over the Australians. We might not have played as well as we can, but we play our best stuff. But when we play our best stuff, the best teams struggle to compete with us. Okay, Joe, I'm backing you, mate. England to beat Australia. What, is that paying $48? (laughs) <laughs> no, it's, is it? It's not. It's paying $2.25, head-to-head. So they're outsiders. Okay. So so the market doesn't think that statement is as wild as um, we might when we first hear it or read it, like I did at 6 o'clock this morning when I had a I, very look, good there, chuckle and nearly drove off the road. There would be weirder things to happen than, than England getting up to beat Australia. So Legato, top yep. three, boosted, 320. Orlando Magic, $2.28 to win by five against the Jazz. Uh, England head to head at 2.25 and thank you so much for all your text messages you've made me so, feel so much better about all the wonderful options, yes Mark, Tom Latham top run scorer, gee that'd be a thing of beauty but Logan has said Kiwis 1-12 to against the Kangaroos they won't like this weather and we will bounce back after last week, that would be fantastic paying a whopping $5 4 legs, $50 bonus bet for 4k, Logan it's all yours thanks for texting, thanks for listening if it gets up, that's the sports desk and that was the TAB Smithies Friday Freebie Multi. Brilliant stuff. Um, player Sports Desk, get a free roof, windscreen, rear panel, wiper kit, and tow hitch valued at $5,000 on a Polaris Ranger 1000. A harness racing's up next. I know we're time, Paul Louis, but I've just spent five minutes thinking about New Zealand rugby coaches. You don't know how lucky you have it. You don't know how lucky you have it over here. We don't sack coaches. Go work in Italian football. Like for five minutes and figure out how the other side of the coin works. Anyway, let's talk some harness racing, Louis. Uh, you've got some details for us. Are we involved this weekend, mate? Are we involved? I tell you what, we're not just involved. We're going large. SENZ, New Zealand Trotting Stakes, Mobile Trot, the Group 3 at Addington tonight, sponsored by us, Sports Entertainment Network Zealand. Um, SENZ, it's fantastic. And... Even better than that, we're, we're ho- the Christchurch office here, Jake, uh, Juddy, Harry, and me, we're hosting our Christmas party with just the, the four four soldiers uh, across the road tonight at uh, the, the races. So we'll have fun. It'll be good. And I've asked Greg, well, we need a tip in our race, which is race five at Addington. And he said, Empire City, Ricky May for Phil Williamson. Um, it's going to be out the back. Hopefully he can, can trot away and, and give us a real sight. Obviously, the, the Paul Nian trotter, hit him up, has been well-backed because he's the genius. He's the master trotting trainer. Um, he, that's 4.20 into 3.30 with the, the draw on the front line there. But we'll be backing Empire City, says Greg, and Major Hot in race six. So maybe a little back-to-back double Major Hot, Blair Orange in the cart for the Purdens, the All-Stars, uh, Jumping, or not jumping, going from uh, the four. So there you go, $4.80, $1.30 in a smaller field there, major hot in race six. And uh, the crew will be back, Greg will be back on Sunday with Trot's talk, no doubt. And remember the mail run tomorrow from eight back to our back to our usual time at 8 a.m.
Yeah, which warms up to the biggest show of them all on a Saturday, uh, the Saturday Correct. session with Grant Elliott and Daniel McCarty coming up at 10 o'clock. Live the dream. Get involved in harness racing today. New Zealand Harness Racing. Visit hrnz.co.nz. Um, Mark writes, there surely must be some young big monsters in that club. They can fast track into the top side. I know young big fellas don't grow on trees, but they grow in Auckland. Okay, Mark, so... Just go pluck a front row forward capable of dominating the NRL off a tree. Warriors, just just do that. Uh, Mark, uh, Matt, we go from Mark to Matt. Penrith prepared to trade Leota, Fisher, Harrison, Kenny for AFB, question mark, to elite mids and a solid uh, second HOK uh, option for the concussion prone Egan. Cheers, Matt. Matt. Matt, when you put the question mark in, you probably knew the answer to that, I, I would have thought. That, that seems like giving a, away a hell of a lot for getting one player back. Um, maybe a straight strop with Jared uh, Waiwera hot pulls. He'd be great for three games before getting a ban. I'm sure everyone's heard that nickname before. I haven't, actually. Where have I been living? Under a rock. Uh, we've got to take a break. Uh, we'll find out what's happening with Staffy and his program after this. It's nine minutes away from 12. A uh, huge thank you to everyone who's played a part in the show during the week, including Louis for taking over the cutter yesterday. Um, and especially to you listening and who've called in and text, it's been uh, a really enjoyable week. A uh, huge sporting week it has been. Uh, thank you for all playing a part. And long may that continue after midday with Staffy, uh, who joins us to preview what's uh, coming up after midday. And Staffy, I'd, I'd, be, I'd got out of a dark hole. I was a little bit happy. <laughs> and during an ad break, I saw a headline. Uh, that All Blacks nemesis Wayne Barnes ends international career. And it's like, be better, News Hub. Seriously? Yeah. Be better. I know. Gosh, you have to be better than that. And, um, you know, I feel for the bloke, like, we don't go to work and everyone has, you know, freely downloaded and critiqued everything. Like, we get critiqued a little (laughs) bit. But we don't get death threats to... Wives and children and partners and family and you're not welcome here. It's just been the vitriol around it has made me sick and I don't blame him from walking away. I think he was going to walk away anyway, but I felt like he might might stay on um, for premiership games, perhaps Heineken Cup and just wind down the international career, but he's just gone full stop, that's enough. And I think that's sad, and that's an indictment on the uneducated, vociferous opinions that uneducated rugby fans have. It's not just the domain of rugby fans, though. No. Uh, I know. Let's be very clear about that. And it's so prevalent, and it's really, really sad, isn't it? And I know you and I, we like to think we're going to make an impact, but we'll never never completely change it, especially once that sewer social media um, stays alive. Any hoot. What's coming up on your positive, positive program that's going to fill of entertainment firm and bigger? Let's get positive. Uh, first hour, we're going to invite calls and text messages about this Aaron Fanua blake situation. How hard do they fight? Who are the obvious replacements? Um, are there any replacements? What's some negotiation? We've got some really good, I've learned over the years, uh, last couple of years, we've got some very smart, savvy business people as listeners that could offer up some ways that we could massage contracts or 
lure some t- different type of deals. So we'll open it up at uh, midday to one. And of course, Sammy Hewitt, very passionate league man and Warriors man, he'll have some thoughts as well. Also going to chat to Tony Adams, the mole, um, get his thoughts on what he's hearing over the other side of the ditch because I feel like there's a little bit more noise over there towards the truth about it. Um, does Has he heard any more? What's some options that he sees the Warriors could take? So we'll talk to Tony Adams. Jeremy Paul, as always, uh, on the Jeremy Paul Show, the last one of the year because rugby's wound right down. So we'll review the World Cup final and the rugby year. And Craig CSU, head of high performance, Beach Volleyball New Zealand, have just named their squads in a big summer of beach volleyball around the beaches in New Zealand. So lots of stuff, lots of stuff, Daniel and Louis. What are they called? The Beach Blacks or something like that? You know, um, oh, do the, they have a nickname? The sand Blacks? I don't know. We'll find out. See, these are the tough, probing questions that I'm always fascinated about. Here for it, Daniel. You'll I'm... probably hit them with actually sens- sensible uh, <laughs> topics. Thank you, fella. Have a great show. Thank you, Louis. Thank you, Uncle Barry. Catch you tomorrow, everyone, on the award-winning Saturday session. But up next, it is Mr. Mark Stafford. And it's now 12 o'clock.